Awesome. Well, you can have a seat. Jen, can you hand me my coffee? No, go ahead and take that. I don't even know whose that is. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How you guys doing? Good? Come on. Let's go. I'm excited. I'm excited to share what the Lord has put on my heart to share this morning. And uh, first off, I just want to say I was so proud of, of Nate Hopping last week. He preached such a strong message. If you missed it. If you, if you haven't met him, I encourage you to meet him. Uh, he's over here. Raise your hand, Nate. There he is. Uh, Nate is helping uh, basically with our next steps as a church. And, and so that means he's dealing with small groups and a lot of other things. And so we're just excited to have him on the team. And, and clearly he's a decent preacher. And so that's, that's always a good thing, too, uh, to have that in the house. And uh, so glad. Now, I do want to just kind of help you know what's happening next month, not just that we're having 21 days of prayer and fasting, but I have really sensed in my spirit that the Lord wanted us to dig in a little deeper when it comes to worship. Because one of the things that I've noticed is that sometimes around us, the world gets so loud and so challenging and all the things and the moving parts. And you know what I'm talking about? Anybody know anything about this? That what can happen is you get your focus off of the Lord. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, it happens to all of us. And sometimes it can sneak up on you, doesn't it? Like you don't even see it coming. It's like, it's like when you're in the ocean, right? You get in the ocean and you drift down, the, uh, down the, the beach and you don't even realize it. And then you look up and your hotel is like three miles away and you're like, what just happened? See, that can happen when it comes to our relationship with God. And, and one of the things that I've just sensed really strongly is that the Lord wants us to return. God wants us to return back to this posture of worship. Because I truly believe this, and I don't know if you've, if you've never read my book, uh, and we give them away free, so grab one of them. But one of the things, the premise of that book is this idea that if I spend time in God's presence, uh, that God can do in a moment what two weeks of vacation can't. And so it's, it's, it's this idea that the presence of God, the very presence of the Lord, can actually make a difference in my life. And so we're going to be digging in for the next four weeks into worship and what it means to express our love to God. Because I can tell you this, when things get hard, if you know how to express your love to God, it will help with the heart. I'm just telling you, it will. And so I just want to encourage you to be a part of that and come and invite some people that need to be encouraged uh, and need to be challenged in this area because I think we all need to get off center a little bit so that we can get back to doing the things that God has called us to do. And so today's message is really kind of the, uh, if you were a volleyball player, there's bump, set, spike, right? So this is like the set. And then uh, hopefully we'll spike it home this next month uh, because uh, I just really believe we've got to prepare our hearts for what the Lord is going to do in August. And so my heart for you today is that you would receive this uh, as a preparation, as a preparation for what the Lord is going to do uh, over the next month as we prepare ourselves for the fall. Because I believe this 100%. God is maturing his church. God is growing his church. I see it happening all over the place. And so it's cool to see all the faces back in the house. Come on. Because uh, I've looked out here before and seen like two people and been like, "Woo, we're killing it. <laughs> We're killing it. <laughs> but God is moving. The people of God are stirring again. Uh, but we've got more work to do. Amen. 
We've got more work to do. And uh, God has a plan and a purpose for each of us. And, and so uh, last week, you know, we finished up a series that was called Signposts. And, and we may circle back around to that, um, but, but we, we, we finished up First Peter. And so we've been dealing with the words of Peter, right? And, and the Apostle Peter and what he had to say to the church. And, and last week, uh, Nate had such a great way of talking about Peter. And a couple of things that I saw come out of that message was just how real and raw and human Peter is. Like, he's just a person that God decided to do something great through. And you know how that happens? He was available. He was willing to place his faith in a God that could do the impossible, even though he had all kinds of problems. Anybody in here have problems? A couple? Just a few? Only, okay, just a few of you. All right, well, the rest of you, I'm just glad that you're here. I mean, you're going to help us all out. You're going to help us all out today. Um, but, you know, Peter was one of those guys that just, he did some things that we can all relate to. I mean, you look back at his life and you look at the story of his life and his interaction with Jesus and the church, and it's not all rosy. They're not all moments of victory. There are challenges, there are difficulties, there's even bad decisions, there's bad choices, there's bad actions even that Peter was a part of. And, and, and so maybe you know a little bit of his story, but you know, he's, I remember, remember the story where he steps out and he did so good with faith, you know, and he steps out of the boat and, and he's, he's like, yeah, I did it. But then all of a sudden he starts to sink, you know, like Jesus invites him out on the water and he takes that step of faith. But then all of a sudden he starts to sink, you know, and I think that can happen to us. It's like we step out in faith. We hear a great sermon and we're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden a challenge or a wave or a situation shows up. And the next thing you know, you start to sink and you're like, oh, Jesus, save me, please. What have you done to me? Right. And, and, and that's Peter's story as he steps out and he starts to sink and he has to reach for Jesus because his faith wasn't as strong as it needed to be in that moment. But I can guarantee you on the backside of it, it was stronger. It was stronger because he had failed and he had reached in the process of failing. I think about the time that he spoke before he thought. <laughs> he was on the mountain of transfiguration and he starts babbling on about all this stuff and how we should do this and we should do this. And you ever had a moment where you're in a group of people and you say something and everybody's just kind of like, you know what I mean? Like it's just, you're hoping that everybody's like, yeah, that's a great idea. But it's just crickets. That's kind of what happened with him when he suggested they should build tents for everybody. And Jesus was like, what are you, what are you talking about, man? You're so clueless to what's actually happening, you know? Have you ever felt clueless? You ever felt clueless in your faith or what was happening or what was actually happening? See, Peter, Peter knew. You know, there was other times where Peter saw Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And his response was, you're not going to wash my feet. Like he couldn't fathom that there was a God that would kneel down and wash the feet of his disciples. Like he couldn't even fathom that idea. And so, so he was like, you're not going to do that. And Jesus was like, look, look, if I don't do that, then you have a problem. And he was like, well, then shoot, wash my whole body, Jesus. I, I need you to do something, right? So he moved, but he made a mistake. He, he, he spoke. He ever spoke without thinking? <laughs> I can't tell you how many times in my life I've spoken without thinking about what I was about to say. 
And on the other side of that, I hurt somebody, I hurt myself, I hurt my witness, I hurt something because I wasn't thinking. You know, there was even a time that Peter, like, listen to this, he rebuked Jesus. I'm just saying, look, if you're going to rebuke somebody, I just don't think it's a good idea to rebuke the Son of God. But yet, that's what he did. He rebuked him. Remember, he's like, he was like, no way, Jesus, will this happen? And Jesus is like, what? Who are you? You have no idea, kid, what's happening. And yet, this is the Peter. This is the apostle. This, this is the one that God says, I'm going to do something great through you. This is a guy that messed it up multiple times. He, he experienced the miracles of Jesus and yet abandoned his rabbi. He acted impulsively to protect Jesus from being arrested when he cut that guy's ear off. And Jesus is like, what are you doing, man? Why, why are you cutting people's ears off? Haven't you figured out by this point that I have a purpose and a plan, and that purpose and plan involves my sacrifice, ultimately my death on behalf of human beings? Don't you know this yet? And he's picking up the sword, acting like he's doing the right thing. And Jesus, I, 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 there's the scene, you know, where Peter denies him. Remember this? Where Peter three times denied Jesus. And I hate that part of the story because there's this part where all of the disciples abandoned him. I don't know if you've ever felt abandoned, but Jesus knew exactly what it felt like to be abandoned. Abandoned by the closest people, the people that were closest to him. And Peter runs and hides and denies his Lord. And this is the guy that said, there ain't no way I'm doing that. I'm locked and loaded, Jesus, whatever you need. But that's not what happened. And so Peter is a guy that I think all of us can relate to. Amen? I mean, he can, we can relate to him. Now, we maybe not had the same experiences, but we've definitely had the experiences of saying, I'm all in, Jesus. And then somewhere along the line, deciding that, well, maybe I'm not. Or maybe not even being that conscious of it, but being kind of unconscious or, or lazy or right? That we just kind of got lazy. We just kind of got apathetic. We just, ooh, I just, I just really enjoy this. And Jesus is like, what are you doing? I thought I, thought I was worth your life. I thought I was worth everything. I thought, I thought remember, remember at camp when you were asking Jesus to save you? Remember in that worship moment? Remember in that situation where you finally said yes to Jesus and the power that was in you? And you were like, I will do it all, God. Wherever you want me, I'm in. Wherever you send me, I'm in, right? And then what can happen over time is that you experience life. You experience challenges. You experience death. You experience destruction. You experience pandemics. You experience and you experience and you experience and you experience. And then next thing you know the the commitment that you had in the beginning starts to wane or you do something really stupid and you make a mess of your life and you think that God is done with you friends God is never done with you I don't care what you've done he's not done with you he has more to do. He has more to do with you, and he has more to do with his church. That the power of God is still active in this world. That the kingdom of God is still advancing. That the mission of God is still moving. The question is, as the church, which is God's plan A, is whether or not we believe that. Or whether or not we take responsibility for what's our part of that. 
Because the thing is that I've seen is that there's some apathetic kind of stuff happening around. There's some, I'd even go as far as to say some laziness. I think we've gotten comfortable. Is that okay? I think we've gotten a little comfortable. And you know, when you get comfortable, you stop growing. And I know that this is going to be one of those messages that people may or may not enjoy, but I do think it's something that we've got to hear. Because ultimately, if we're not committed, then who will be? I mean, think about that. Who will be? The church down the street? Well, that's well and good for them. But who will be the ones that finally stand up and say, not on my watch? That you know what? We, we've, we've done good things. We've done bad things. We've done impulsive things. We've, done, we've even made bad choices. Can you imagine... Can you imagine that you've made a bad choice? Hey, can you imagine as a leader, if you were a leader, trying to navigate through the last two and a half years that maybe, just maybe, you chose poorly? I mean, is it possible? Is it possible? But yet we live in a culture. We live in a culture that it's an impossibility to be wrong. Because if you're wrong, then you get ah, ignored maybe canceled or 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 you just get vilified like the sum total of your life is wrapped up in one decision and we measure people by that one decision friends if i measured you by one decision of your life can you imagine where we'd end up and yet the bible says as we judge as we judge, so we will be judged by that same measure. We should be slow to judge. Because the reality is, is that God is still working. He's doing all kinds of things. But, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we have to remember that God has a plan and a purpose. And just if we've done it wrong or not wrong or right or a little bit of right or whatever, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, what we need to do is repent and get on with it. Because sometimes we do make bad choices. Sometimes we choose to do this or that, and it doesn't lead to the results that we want. But here's the good news, is that with Jesus, there's always a chance. There's always possibilities. There's always an opportunity. And that's what Jesus was saying to Peter. By even selecting this guy, he was saying to all of us, hey, I don't, look, have you messed it up as bad as Peter? I don't know. Maybe you have. Maybe you've done that. But what he's saying is that if, look, if, if I can use Peter... If I can use Peter, friend, I can use you. If I, if, I can, if I can work through this broken fisherman, you know, that was willing to place his faith in me, then I can work through it. Listen, listen to what he says. So in Matthew chapter 16, this is what Jesus says about this Peter. Listen to this. Matthew 16, verse 18. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means what? rock and upon this rock I will build my church now if you stop there you're like okay alright building the church but look what he says he says and all the powers of hell will not conquer it whether the government approves of me religiously or not Nothing will conquer it. Whether some leader supports me or not, nothing will conquer it. Whether we go through a pandemic again, 
nothing will conquer it. You understand? This is the word of God for the people of God. I'm not lying to you. I'm, ex I'm clearly reading it to us because we have to understand that when God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And that's what he did with Peter. He took a guy that couldn't and shouldn't and wouldn't and yet did something with him. He built the church on this fella and through him, you see the church of God advance through the world. Jesus changed the world through Peter. God. Oh, I thank God that there's, a, there's an example like Peter. Because that means there's hope for me. He says, I will build my church and the power of hell will not conquer it. And then he says this in verse nine, 19. Jesus says this, and I will give you the keys. Come on. The keys of the powers of hell and they will not conquer it. I will give you the keys of of the kingdom of heaven. Sorry, I misread that. And I'll give you the keys. I will give you the keys. Everybody say keys. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Everybody, come on, reach in your pocket real quick. You got some keys in there. Do you have any keys? Anybody have any keys? Come on, reach them. Grab some keys today, people. Grab some keys. If you don't want to participate, that's fine. Just look at me funny. Get some keys. Everybody shake their keys. Everybody shake them. Shake them real loud. I got my keys right here. I got my keys. Some of you got fabs or fobs. <laughs> you got your fobs here. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I got my fob. <laughs> shake your fob. It's not as fun. It's not as fun to shake the fob, is it? But we got our keys. I say, turn to your neighbor and say, I got my keys. I got my keys. You're like, I don't like this. I, I, all, the, all, the, all the introverts in the room are like, please stop. Please, God, please stop. I hate this. I hate this. But think about that. Jesus says, I'll give you the keys. Now, if you were a kid and you were 16 years old and somebody gave you the keys, you'd be like, ooh. Now, some of you wouldn't. You'd be scared to death. But I remember when I got the keys, I was like, this is freedom. I mean, pure American freedom. <laughs> Drive wherever I wanted. Look at me. Woo! Right? You know what I'm talking about. When you get the keys, there's something about that. When you get a job and they give you the key, you're like, okay, something's going on here. Something's happening. I, I'm moving on up. I, I've got the keys, right? And Jesus says, I not only will build my church and the gates of hell can't conquer it, but I'm also going to give you the keys. In other words, that there's not just something God is doing, but he actually has given his keys to us so that we have something to do. Do you understand? Because sometimes what happens is we just say, okay, God's building this church. God will always build his church. God is sovereign. God is going to do it. He's going to get it done. Of course he is because he's God. But the truth of the matter is, is that he calls us in this because there's no doubt that God will build his church. He says it. And he says that nothing will destroy it. So from, from point A to point, point B on God's continuum, at some point, this thing is ending in the church being built and the revelation of Jesus being very real, very true, and the second coming of Jesus is happening. Whether you like it or not, it's going to happen because he's sovereign. But in the middle of that, he calls you to be a part of it. He calls you to participate in it. And what happens sometimes as we get kind of passive in this reality is that Jesus' will is going to happen, his, his plan is going to happen, so what in the world do I have to do with it? 
And yet Jesus says, I'll build my church, but I'm going to give you the keys. I'm giving you the keys. And from there, look what he says. Listen to this. He says, whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Friends, that's power. When you got those kind of keys, that when you literally pray, you are changing reality. You are affecting heaven, and you are changing temporal, earthly, empirical reality. Now, when you pray, do you think that? Or do you just be like, God, I thank you for the food. It was real good. Thank you for all the people that made it. Bless them, Lord Jesus. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be safe and content and have a good day. Amen. Now some of you are like, Pastor, that's how I pray. That ain't fair. I think we should pray for our food. I think we should pray for safety. But if every time we open our mouth, that's what we pray, I think we got a problem. I think we're missing the point. <laughs> because Jesus is talking about the keys. He's talking about the keys of heaven. And these keys unlock some doors, eh? Huh? They, they unlock some doors. They, they do something that I can't do on my own. By the very power of Jesus' name, that I can do things that other people can't do because they don't have the keys. And can you imagine if the church got real serious about the fact that we have the keys and we started to live in such a way that we have the keys. And when we're going through a hard time, we have the keys. When you're going through a difficult time, you have the keys. When you're running through something that's so difficult, so hard, when you're in a culture that ignores God and it rejects God, or you're in a situation where everybody's losing their mind, do we ever at any moment say, I've got the keys? I've got the keys. So when the world's freaking out, when your group of friends is freaking out, when everybody's having a hard time, you show up and say, I got the keys. <laughs> and everybody thinks you're nuts. But do you believe that the same God that raised Jesus from the dead can do that kind of work through you by his name? Oh, friends, if we would just believe if we would just believe, so much could be done. You know, just like Peter, we've misspoken. We've, we've not spoken when we should. We've, we've denied, we've rebuked, we've judged, we've ran. Haven't we? Sometimes we've said, Jesus, I'm all in, and then not. We said, Jesus, I'm all in, and then we dialed it in. You know what I'm talking about? We just, hey, I'm here today. We've forgotten. And so here's a couple of things that I think, I think we need to look at as a people. And I think this is just a general kind of statement, a few statements for us today that I think are generalized. And of course, they're way summarized. And I'm sure there's elements and activity within them that, that may or may not apply to us. But there's something about these three, three phrases I've been playing around with and, and marinating on. And because I think what's happened is we've allowed and we've replaced or we've replaced some things in the last few years. I think we've allowed 
our lives to become more about fear than faith. We've become really gripped with fear, guys. And I know that this isn't a popular message because what happens is when I say that, what people hear is that, well, you're not being serious-minded, Pastor. You're not looking at the data. And friends, I'm not stupid. I'm not, I'm not unaware of what's happening in our world. And this is what you have to hear, is that I believe in facts. Matter of fact, I even believe science. But I'm a person of faith. And I'm a person of faith first. See, facts matter. Science matters. But friends, and I just need you to hear this, I never want to die for my faith. Like, I hope that that's not my calling. But at the end of the day, is he not worth my life? Is he not worth my life? Is he not worth me saying, you know what? When everybody else is hightailing it, I'm not. I'm going to stand here and say to the world around me when everybody's suffering and everybody's having a hard time and everybody's packing it in that I have the keys, that I have something to say that might help somebody. Because friends, when fear takes over, faith gets smaller. And I'll let you sort that out, but that's a problem in our life. That's a problem in our world. And I just want to say, friends, we've got to do better. Empty pews, come on, empty pews or empty seats. That's the real health problem in our country. It really is. Because here's the reality. We're all going to die. Now, I'm not like walking in and being like, hey, kill me now. I kind of enjoy my life. But can I tell you something? The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. So in other words, if I lose it, if I end it, if I get some weird disease, if I get this or that or the pox, hey, here's the deal. I may get sick and I may die, but I'm going out with faith. I'm going out with faith. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweak that a little bit in just a moment for some of you that are like, that guy. Just hold on. I think we've, here, here's another thought. I think we've replaced truth with lies. I really do. I, I think we've believed lies and we say they're truth. We've believed lies and we say they're truth. Because, and here's the scary part is that we think they're truth. Like we have believed lies and then somehow gotten to a point where someone said it or it was wise or it sounded good. And it's actually become biblical truth for us, even though it's not in the Bible. Friends, that's scary. Is that scary? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you say you're going to be a person of the book and you have adopted something that isn't in the book, whoo, you should be nervous. You should be concerned. You should say, wait a second. Yeah, okay, I see the wisdom in here. I see, I see the point. I see the data on this matter, but hold the phone. Why is it now that I'm, look, I'm living like this and yet the Bible says it's this, or maybe you don't even know it's this? That should concern us. We should be more thoughtful. That should concern us. And here's the last one, and this is the one you're really going to hate. I'm just sorry. I, I'm sorry I have to say this. I really am. It's just, it's just, it's just, I think we've become lazy instead of disciplined. I 
And the way that I see this happening is that Do you think that the world will ever experience another pandemic? Do you think the world will ever experience another war? You see my point? It's going to happen. It's not the first time these kinds of things have happened. But the question is, is what does the church do in the midst of that? Friends, the church doesn't get lazier the church gets more committed in the challenge. And if we don't get more committed in the challenge, then the keys don't show up in the challenge and people lose it because they don't know that there's a God that can do something about it. When the church of Jesus Christ doesn't do what God has called us to do and we start getting comfortable, we start getting a little lazy with our faith, the whole world starts to lose it. Because I don't know if you know this, but we actually are important. We're kind of in a big deal. You know what I mean? We are a moral compass in this world that is so dark. And when the people of God agree with lies, we have a problem. You guys okay? You guys okay? Just breathe. Just breathe. Just breathe. I promise it'll get better. We are allowing these things, fears, lies, and laziness, to take authority over us when we have authority over those things. When we give away our sacred duty, when we give away the very authority and power that we've been given, then we have problems. And here, I just want to say this, and I want to be really honest, is we are moved into a season in our culture right now, and everybody needs to hear me. We've moved into a season in our culture, as far as I'm concerned, unless you have a baby under six months old, unless you have a baby under six months old or has some kind of precondition, we've moved into a season where you can get that baby vaccinated. Yes? I mean, that's just true. From six months on, you can get that baby vaccinated. And I'm not here to talk about vaccinations. I'm just simply saying, if that's your bend, then why don't you just go ahead and do it? And if it's not your bend, that's fine too. But at the end of the day, come on, stay with me. But at the end of the day, logically, we should be able to get back to work. Is that fair? Now, I know some of you might get upset with what I'm about to say, but what, well, what I'm saying, but isn't it fair? I mean, I'm just looking at the data. I'm just looking at the science. And here's what I want to suggest to you is that that's good and let's do it and let's do whatever we got to do. If you got to wear a hazmat, get to church. If you got to put a suit on, do it. Get a mask on, whatever you got to do, but get out of your house. Get out of your house. Get out of the situation you're in and begin to believe God again. Begin to believe God for the things that you need and trust him to take care of things. Now, I'm not saying it's all going to be good. Of course, it's not all going to be good because there's sin and disease and destruction in our world. But I am saying this, that whatever challenge you face will grow your faith and make you better and stronger until you meet Jesus in the end. That's what the Bible says. And I love every one of you, and that's why I'm saying it. Because we have to get on with it. We have to begin to get on with it. And I'm so excited. I've talked to some people recently that are friends of mine and people who have been a part of this church for a while. And I'm so excited that some of them are coming back. I praise God for that. I praise God for anybody that's listening to my voice right now that you're like, I'm in, I'm coming back. I got the, stick me. 
Stick the kids. Whatever we got to do, we're coming back. Because we've got more work to do. Amen? We've got more work to do. And we got to get on with it. And so we can't let fear. We can't let lies. We can't let laziness get in the way of these things. And so God, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. I, I'm excited. I hope you're excited. I really am. I think the fall is going to be great. I think it's going to be great. I think the people of God are thawing out a little bit. You know, they're shaking the dust off. They're like, okay, I know it's been hard, but I'm going to get back in there. You know what I'm talking about? I think that's what's happening. And Because I, I, I think the way I would describe it is there's been kind of a, a general sluggishness. You ever seen a slug? They just, they're nasty. I hate slugs. But like, you know, they're just slimy and they just... You know, they just kind of... And they just slime all. Is that the picture of Jesus? No, he doesn't want the church to look like no nasty slug. He wants the church to look like the bride of Christ. Beautiful. Presented to the world in, in such a way that people want that. Who wants a slug? Nobody wants a slug. Nobody, like, I'm, gonna, I'm giving out slugs next week. Everybody come to church. Everybody gets a free slug. Nobody wants that. Everybody wants something different. They want something beautiful. They want something nice. They want something, that's what the church is intended to be, not a slug. You ever seen that movie? Uh, what's that movie with the fox? And he, oh, shoot, I'm sorry, guys. That's one of them, you know, where they, the fox and the little rabbit. Zootopia, that's it. Thank you, Zootopia. Thank you, children in the room. But there's this one scene with the sloth. Have you know, some of you don't know, but there's the sloth, and he's working at the DMV. Go figure. And the, and the, and the sloth is like... <laughs> right? That's the same sense. It's sluggish. It's slothful. God never intended the church to be like this. But all the data tells me that that's what the church is right now. Do you want to be a part of that? I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be sluggy. I don't want to be slothfully moving through my life. No, no, no. I want to be dynamic. I want to be full of faith. I want to be the person that shows up and everybody's like, ooh, that person has something to say. That person has a path through the wilderness. That person has something that I don't have. I need some of that in my life. That's what I need. That's what this church needs. That's what we all need. Come on. And that's what God calls us to. That's what God calling us. And he says to all of you, he said, on this rock, I will build my church. Can you imagine that you're a rock? You're a rock that God has called you to. He's going to build his church on you if you'll let him. He will build the church on you and not only build the church, but he will give you the keys, the power, the authority to do the things that he's called you to do. Oh, if this church could get this kind of revelation, if we could get this kind of revelation in our life, imagine what we could do in this city, in this nation, in this world. Imagine how cool it would be. I don't know about you, but that excites me. That makes me excited. And I haven't even preached three-fourths of my message yet, guys. We're going to be here all night. I'm just kidding. That is kind of the introduction, though. You guys good? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm not kidding. But I do want to give you three things to help you. Because we, we work in threes. Our brain works in threes. And so here are three things I want to help you with. 
Because I don't think God wants us to feel tired, sluggish, disappointed, slow moving, inactive. I don't think he wants that. I don't think he wants us to feel depleted. I think he wants us to recognize that we're not ever defeated. That we are never defeated as a church. I don't care how bad it gets. If I got two people, if it's just my wife and my kids sitting in the front row, we still have breath. And if we will believe in a God that can, he can take that breath, he can take that faith, and he can do something great with it. And that's what he wants to do with us. So how do we build the church? How do we rebuild the church? How do we rebuild the church? Come on, how do we rebuild the church? We have to recognize that we have the keys. Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? We have the keys. God is sovereign. He says he will build his church, no doubt, and the gates of hell will not ever do anything to it. It's not going to take it down, but he says you've got the keys. And so as a church, the first thing we've got to do and we've got to understand is we've got the power. We've got the power in our hands. We've got everything that Jesus wants to give us. And whatever I forbid, come on, whatever I speak, whatever I speak, everybody say whatever I speak. Do you understand? Whatever I speak, whatever I speak, whatever I speak. What you've been speaking lately? What you've been agreeing to lately? What are the things coming out of your mouth? Imagine, could you just tweak it a little bit? Could you just change it a little bit and make sure this week all you do is speak faith words? All you do is start saying faith words. And I'm not talking about just being dumb and, and not interested in the world or reality. No, no, I'm just saying that you look at reality and you say, I'm a person of faith. You look at reality and say, I'm a person of faith and I'm going to speak words. I'm going to speak good words. I'm going to speak truth words. I'm, I'm going to search the scriptures instead of the news for what I need. That's what I need. And so I'm going to begin to speak. I'm going to begin to use the keys. Come on, I'm going to begin to use the keys to open the doors that God wants me to open. Because there are all kinds of doors that are sitting there locked and they need, the people of God need to start using their keys to open those doors. So here's the thing, the first thing. You're like, where's the first? Here's the first. It all starts with faith over fear. It all starts with faith over fear. Let me read just a few scriptures to you. Listen to these. I prayed. I love how it starts. It didn't say I worried. It didn't say I checked the Twitter, the Facebook, the Insta, the TikTok. Does it, is that all people do on the TikTok is dance? Yeah, there's more to it than that. Because I've seen those shows and like kids are like doing like the, you know what I'm talking about? And, and then the, I don't know, do you just put it out there and then people watch it and then they just like it or something? That's basically what it is. I got to get, I got to start doing this. <laughs> The Bible says in Psalm 34, 4, listen to this, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. Everybody say, I prayed. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. Look at this. He freed me from all my fears. Oh, whoo, set that to memory. He freed me from all my fears. But what did I have to do first? I had to pray. I had to get my attention on him. I had to get my focus, my worship back on the right person. And when I did, all of a sudden he frees me and my fears got to go away. Joshua 1, 8 through 9, listen to this. This is my command. He's speaking to Joshua who's about to go into a battle, friends. He said, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Who is Jesus, friends? He is God, what? With us. 
He is God with us. And so wherever you go, whatever you do, just know that Jesus is with you. And if Jesus is with you, can you not say no to that thing? Can you not say no to that lie? Can you not say no to fear? Can you not say no to whatever it is that's hounding you right now? Can you not say no because this is the same God that's with you? This is the same Jesus that was with God in the beginning. Do you know that? Like when it, in the, go all the way back to Genesis and it says, in the beginning, God created. Remember this. Go to first, go to John 1 and he says, right? In the beginning, God created. They're paralleling this. And so what, what the Bible is saying is that Jesus was with God in the beginning. If Jesus was with God in the beginning, that means he's who? God. He's sustaining all things with his powerful word, the Bible says. Still today, that's what he's doing. And so we start with faith. And then watch this. I love this. He says, 1 John 4, 18. I love this. He says, such love has no fear. Because perfect love does what? It expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this, come on, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love, is what John tells us. Now, I don't know about you, but I I struggle with those kind of black and white statements. You know, he's like, if you don't, then this, if you don't, then this. And so it's very clear, very straightforward. And what can happen, and this is the context of this, is that he's talking about fear in relationship to the law. He's saying that law and love are different. And so sometimes this passage gets taken out of context. But the thing that I think is important here to see is that he's not saying that you shouldn't have some unnervedness or fear to cross the street in the middle of traffic. Right? He's not saying that you shouldn't do that. Like There are things inside you that are like, okay, I shouldn't do this. Right? You shouldn't put your hand on a hot stove. And if you don't know that, go ahead and do it, and then you will know it. Right? Then you'll be afraid of sticking your hand on the hot stove. It's not, that's not what he's saying. He's saying there's a fear out there that actually starts to affect the perfect love that God gives us. And that perfect love is founded and based and birthed in faith. And it's from that faith, that kind of love comes. And here's the thing that I want to say. Here's, here's what I've seen, is that there's a, there, there's, a, there's a verses going on. There's a, I have wisdom or I have fear. Right? Because what's happened is we live in a world where it's like, well, this is wise. Like, right? I have wisdom or I have fear. And I think we got to be careful with that because you know what wisdom is? I mean, seriously, wisdom is not just some nebulous idea that's out there that you learned in some philosophy class. That's not how the Bible talks about it. Wisdom is applied biblical knowledge. Wisdom, let me say it again, is applied biblical knowledge. And if you've bought into a lie and you're applying a lie, you will get to a certain result. And I would go as far as to say that you don't have wisdom, biblical wisdom. You have something else. You might have worldly wisdom. You have, you have all kinds of wisdom, but you do not have biblical wisdom because biblical wisdom is what? Applied biblical knowledge. That's why this is important. And so when we say we have wisdom about this or that, I think we've got to be careful that, to just make sure that whatever we say we're being wise about is actually biblical. Because if it's not, then we have a problem. If we are applying something else other than biblical truth, then I think, friends, we have an issue if we're applying even scientific knowledge. Now, it is true that scientific knowledge can be biblical knowledge, right? I mean, that's possible. Because God created what? The world and science and the whole deal. Like, so he's not surprised that, oh, gravity, who knew? 
right? Entropy. Woo! I made it. I created it. I'm not surprised. I'm glad you guys discovered it. Good job. But when we base our lives on a hypothetical, a hypothesis, isn't that what science is? You ever studied the scientific method? Have you ever seen a hypothesis become law and then law eventually become not a law because they found out that it wasn't a law? That's the incompleteness of man's knowledge. I think at one time they thought asbestos was good. Lead paint, anybody? Let's get in on that. I mean, all the data seemed good. But friends, look, we should never trust in man's, woman's, human's wisdom. We should always trust God's wisdom. And as best we know how, we should find it, and we should work it, and we should try to understand it. And that's where it all starts. It starts with faith over fear. It starts with a focus on God over all things. And so I'm going to go ahead and speed up here and end like this, because I really need to talk about this. The next point I was going to say about how we rebuild the church is obviously it starts with faith. It starts with recognizing that we have the keys in our hands. But I think one of the things I need to say is it also starts with just hard work. Hard work and discipline. And so as your pastor, I just need you to know, I am strategically placing 21 days of prayer in August for a reason. To knock it off. To knock off the things that have, the barnacles of this world that have gotten a hold of us, that are weighting us down. Have you ever seen a whale with barnacles? Like some of those poor little creatures, they get so many barnacles on them, they can't even come out of the water. They're so fat and barnacled. You feel bad for them. Eventually they sink to the bottom if they don't get their barnacles off. And that's what happens. When we go through hard times, we get a lot of barnacles. And we got to get some of that off of us. And so I'm asking you, if you're serious about this church, if you're serious about the kingdom of God, if you're serious about being a part of something great, then I want to invite you to work hard over the next month that you would commit yourself to being a part of it, that you would knock off those barnacles, allow God, create some space to God to fill, start working hard, even if you got to get up earlier, even if you got to stay later, even if you got to show up and you're tired from work, even if you're hungry, come on, would you be willing to work a little harder? Would you be willing to discipline yourself for the next 21 days? Because you know what happens if you do? If you'll discipline yourself for 21 days, you know what happens? It creates a new habit. It creates a new habit. And so I'm asking you to create a new habit in August, a new habit of commitment, of discipleship, of of, of digging in and saying, no matter what, I'm in. Now, let me ask you a question. Would you say that at any point over the last few years, you've gotten a little lazy? You don't have to answer. It's okay. okay. I know there are areas in my life that I've gotten lazy in, and I got to give those to the Lord. And I got to say, Lord, I'm giving you these because I want to get better. Does anybody in here want to get better? Yeah. And it's the old adage, I can lead you to water, but I can't make you drink. Guys, we are setting aside this time for us as a church to get serious about what we say we believe. And so I'm encouraging you to be a part of it, and then I'll end with this. In order for us to rebuild the church, I believe this, is that we have to be effective in seasonal and targeted prayer and fasting. I think it's important. Because prayer and fasting helps us do something that we can't do on our own. 
If you don't believe me, listen to this. Jesus was coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember Peter was up there and he said something stupid? Remember this? He, he, he said something and Jesus was like, hey, bro. But then they come down the mountain, right? And they come down the mountain. And this is the craziest part. John, Peter, and Jesus come down the mountain. And as they come down the mountain, the rest of the disciples are hanging out with a bunch of people down there. And you know what they've done? They've made a mess of things. They've made a mess of things. So Jesus shows up, and what happens is there's a boy there that has a demon. I don't know if you know this story. And he's been possessed by this demon for many years. And the disciples have prayed over this boy, and the demon did not leave. And so everybody's like, what in the world's happening? The disciples are kind of like, oh my gosh, we did this, and now... And this is what's curious, is that Jesus had already sent them out two by two and, and, and empowered them to do the work, so they had actually experienced demons leaving because they had prayed. Does that make sense? He, they had already done it. It's like they had done it, and it wasn't working. And so Jesus shows up, and he's like, okay, 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 move everybody. Just, just, just relax, just relax. You know, and he even, in one of the passages, he even says, like, man, you guys, your faith is really not great right here. But, 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 he, but he digs in, and he, he begins to pray over this boy. And I want to read this part of this to you, okay? Listen to this. This is in Mark chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, listen to this. If you can believe, all things are possible. All things are possible to him who what? Believes. All things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the father and the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. So, the son, you know, the father's like, this is my boy. This is my son who is being tormented. Of course I believe. And he, and he reaches out to, the G, to Jesus. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit. And he said this to him. He said, Duff, deaf and dumb spirit. I like that. You deaf and dumb spirit. I command you, come out of him. Come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed in him greatly, and this demon, this spirit came out of him. And then watch this. And he became as one dead. So he laid there, convulsed, and then just laid there, silent. Can you picture it? A little boy laying there, just dead. And here's what I want you to see. I think, I think, I think that's where the church is right now. It's just laying there. It's just, you know, and you, you're looking at it, you're like, what's going to happen? You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's just, it's just laying there. And, and, and here's the question. Is it going to get up? Like, is it going to get up? Is the church just going to lay there? Just silent, quiet. Everybody's just looking. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And then <laughs> this is the best part. Look at this. Everybody said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand. Do you see it? Jesus took him by the hand and he lifted him up and he rose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately. This is what they asked. Oh, Jesus, why? Why couldn't we cast him out? Why couldn't we do it? And then listen what he says. And so he said to them, this kind, this kind, this kind can come out by nothing other than what? Prayer and fasting. Do you see what I'm getting at? We pray and pray and pray, but sometimes we got to dig in. 
Sometimes we got to go a little further. Sometimes it's just not enough. Because see, here's the thing. The power of God is real. The power of God is present. The power of God is always available. This is real. This is true. And in prayer, we can connect with that power. But you know what I think faith is? Or what fasting is? you got prayer. Prayer is a belief in God, yes. But you know what fasting is? I think it's an agreement with. It's one thing to believe. It's another thing to put something into practice that connects agreement and faith. Does that make sense? And so you're actually believing in faith that God has the power to do what he says he's going to do. But when you step in with fasting, you are declaring, you are agreeing, you are saying, I'm going to put myself in a position to receive whatever it is you want to receive, Lord. Everything that's distracting me, all the things that are keeping me out of your presence, everything, God, I'm going to put that in, in, in this place. I'm going to start to agree with you rather than the world. I'm going to start to agree with you rather than my body. I'm going to start to agree with you rather than my my mind, my emotions, my will, my anxiety, my worries, my fear. I'm going to start to agree with you, God. And when I do that, you'll start to fill that space with faith. See, that's what God wants to do. That's what he wants to do with all of us. And so my heart for you, as I close, is that as I declare a fast, as I declare a time of prayer and fasting as a church, even if you've never been a part of it, never even seen it. I want to invite you to be a part of it. I want to invite you to step out in faith and be a part of it. Because the Bible says that when we declare fast, that God will show up and he will move in miraculous ways. I'm reminded of Peter, or I mean, I'm I'm reminded of Paul and Silas. Because of their faith, they were in prison. I don't know if you remember the story. They're in prison. They're locked up. And you know what they're doing? They're singing. They're, and they're just worshiping the Lord. And the, and the hymns of, of the Father are going high. And, and it's just it's a powerful moment. And you know what happens in that moment as they begin to praise him, as they begin to worship him, as they begin to believe more in their God than the tomb that they're in? as they believe more in their God than the prison they're in, as they believe more in their God than the things that they're doing, as they believe, as they begin to believe God again and worship him and express their love to him, as they begin to do that, what happens? The prison chains come off of them. And the door of the jail opens. (laughs) And they literally walk out. They just... And you know where that action came from? It came from them being committed to worship. It came from them being committed to prayer. It came to to them being committed to do the things. And so friends, you have the keys in your hands. You have the keys. And I'm asking you to take those keys, put them in the door, and turn the lock, and watch what God will do. Oh, it's going to be good. Oh, it's going to be good. Do you believe that? This fall is going to be good. It is going to be an amazing ride. And my friends, I hope that you're a part of it. I hope that you choose to put down the bonbons and the Cheez-Its. I hope you choose to get up out of the lazy boy. I hope you choose to get your attention back on the Lord and not on everything else. Because I truly believe this. The moment we do, 
as individuals and as a church will be an absolute game changer and that dead body's getting up and we will see a resurrection and we will see a revival and we will see this church accomplish our full redemptive potential. I hope you want to be a part of it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your presence right now. Jesus, you're so good to us. Jesus, you're so good to us. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for showing us the way, the truth. God, thank you for giving us the power to accomplish what you've asked us to do. I know that there are some in this room that maybe you've been on a journey. Maybe you've been sojourning in the far lands for a while and it's maybe you've just come back to church for the first time or maybe you just, you're, you're thinking about it right now. I just want to say to you, I'm so glad that you've been stirred. I'm so glad that God is stirring you and believing that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And so I can't wait. I can't wait for you to step into it. And so right now, God, I pray for anybody in this room that wants to put their faith and trust in you. <coughs> anybody in this room that desires to go deeper. Anybody in this room that desires to take a next step or, or, or show up in the church house again or whatever it is, God, I pray in Jesus' name that faith would fall in this place. Faith would fall in the lives of people. Jesus, we ask these things to be so. If you're here today and that's your desire, just simply say to the Lord, Lord, I want more of you. I'm going to set aside time in August. And I ask that you'd fill it. Strengthen your church. Strengthen me for the mission that you've called us to. I just also want to pray for anybody in this room that would say that they want to come back to the Lord or maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. You know, the Bible says that all we have to do is place our faith in Him. We have to place our faith and trust in Him. And so friends, I just want to invite you today to do that. If you're here today and you'd like to take a step of faith, I just want to, I just want to pray this prayer for you. If this is you, just say, just say these words with me. Church, let's all pray these things together. Heavenly Father, I need a Savior. Would you save me from my sins? Would you be Lord of my life? Would you change me from the inside out? I choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.